0: The, the it's so ridiculous i mean every fucking we haven't talked in a few weeks and we're probably going to leave out like 9000 things that are worthy worthy of like alarm <laughs> but <laughs> but you know this but, is it started as like a clear distraction it. maneuver but this <clears throat> thing about the wiretapping would be like a presidency crippling scandal for any other president and yeah. it's probably, you know, when the when the history of Donald Trump's preside- presidency is written, this will probably be like a footnote, right? Nobody will remember it because, I mean, it's, it's pretty clear to me that some sort of massive calamity <laughs> is coming, at least in terms of, like, the, hopefully it won't be one that affects a lot of people, but some sort <laughs> of giant mistake, you know, an unforced error is coming. It just they've made so many you know mistakes that are so far not like massively consequential but it's just utter utter incompetence and i don't know how they how they get out of this without fucking something up seriously but yeah we're in kind of an uncharted territory here yeah
1: yeah <laughs> cuz like so much of everything was based on norms and like precedent Uh, and, like, I think we all knew that that was the case, but to what extent it was, uh, is, like, kind of shocking. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. Although, I I don't know. I mean, he's the president, so we're going to be stuck with him for at least three years and
0: (laughs) ten months or more. Oh, my God. (laughs) Uh... But it's, you're right, it's it's a norm to not call your, you know, to call out your predecessor for, you know, a massive felony-level crime, and, you know, the worst scandal since Watergate, with absolutely no fucking evidence except Mark Levin (laughs) ranting about it on talk radio. And then just completely... Well, that's the funny thing. And then, like, all your people have to look like fools trying to explain it away, deny it for what And, I mean,
2: they, they are fools for trying to explain <laughs> it away.
0: They are fools. Yeah. But man, <laughs> if, if you're put in that position, either you have to resign or you have to find some way to spin this, like, fever dream he had in the middle of the night and tweet it out, you know, Obama's a bad or sick guy. Like, he calls him a sick guy for no <laughs> fucking reason. There's apparently no justification whatsoever for this. And he apparently got it from a Breitbart article that was summarizing a Mark Levin rant. It's (laughs) unbelievable. I think
1: it shows a lot about how these people thought when Obama was in power, because it was like when they'd say things like Obama's a socialist and you'd be like, are you crazy? I wish Obama was a socialist. Like he's a centrist Democrat. Um, (laughs) <laughs> it's Like the all the the death panels and the Obama phones and all that shit is such patent yeah. bullshit. But we had to like argue against it or felt compelled to like think about it. And now that same mindset is the constituency whose like leader draws support from them, and he's in the White House, and so he's just like and firing he's, off he's like of them,
0: senile. Like it's legitimate that he's he's one of yeah. those people. Like I thought it was an act at first, but now I'm starting to think he's like really one of those people who like buys into every fucking conspiracy theory he hears not oh, apparently yeah, no, realizing he that he's the head of the CIA and he can ask his hand picked CIA director whether this is true or bullshit like he rather he'd rather, he's, he's he would rather get his information from fox and friends it's bizarre
2: yeah i second the he's not all there i mean
0: yeah, yeah.
1: Or at least feeble-minded. I mean, he's old. Yeah. We talked about the senility. I don't think it's just that, though. I also think when you're, like, rich from cradle to grave and that much of, like, uh, an egomaniac, like... Oh, yeah. You haven't had a critical thought in, like, 50 years, you know?
2: No, that must do wonders on a brain. Like, honestly. Yeah, oh my God.
1: yeah. His brain must be as smooth as a cue ball.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Especially since that's, like, his, his self-made image. And, like, he... Probably started it as a way to like look more confident. To justify than he the was. fact that he can't read. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he definitely. I, I think he can read because he can get to He like, has trouble. He has yeah, trouble reading. He's definitely not somebody who sits down and reads a book ever. Right. He probably has some reading disability. And he, he talked about
1: this. He says he's never finished a book. Remember?
0: Yeah. 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 <laughs> the endings I make up in my head are always better.
1: <laughs> yeah. I bet you he's just looking for words he wants to see, or like, you know, like he's like skimming and he's like, Obama, 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 or <laughs> Trump. Like <laughs> apparently he gets really pissed off when like he's not mentioned in the news or something like that. Mm-hmm. So he'd rather, he, the type of guy who'd rather have awful news about him and come off looking like a piece of
0: shit than not be mentioned at all. Right. And yeah, this this wiretapping thing is like, you know, I woke up like an hour ago and I was watching Sean Spicer's meltdown at the press conference and he still is like doubling down on the fact that he's like blaming it on some obscure Guardian article from like two months earlier that Donald Trump definitely never read and like a couple veiled references in the New York Times that don't say anything like what was alleged. and. In Anyways, in the tweet, Donald Trump said, I just found out, like, at four in the morning. Like, that apparently, that just found out part never happened unless you're talking about a fucking Breitbart article. It's unbelievable. They keep doubling down, and there's going to be no consequences for it in the end. It's, it's crazy. I mean, I, l- like you say, there's no, there's no um, way in the system to hold them accountable, especially when the Dems don't control anything. Because it's all based on norms. Like nobody expects the president to be tweeting out crazy conspiracy theories at four in the morning. There's nothing. You do you can think really people are looking
2: that. around? Do you think they're like looking around at each other, like like this is this is a test, right? This is a loyalty test, right? Like <laughs> like like there's a big prize at some point, right? Like what's yeah. What's yeah, the reward like it, for this like, loyalty? For I wonder
0: how them. large of a shit sandwich they're willing to eat before they resign. Right, pretty large apparently.
2: They're like people like Spicer, yeah, just like keep on shoveling. Like,
1: <laughs>
0: um, I think
1: it's it also <laughs> it also helps to be like a something of a true believer. Like yeah. that probably makes the day to day like I don't know. It, even but if you're they,
0: like they are the, though. They they were he, originally like very anti-Trump. What do you mean? Like uh, Kellyanne Conway was working. Wait, who for, do you mean? Who like Kellyanne Conway or Sean Spicer? They were working for, especially Kellyanne Conway, she was working for, like, a Ted Cruz pack, and she was pretty savage about Donald Trump before Ted Cruz lost and she joined him.
1: Yeah, but I think these people are good. It's a means to an end, and I think they just happen to be in the employ of Team uh, Ted Cruz. Because the thing is, like, it's not like Ted Cruz and Donald Trump in the White House is that big of a difference. Just Donald Trump is more fucked up. But Ted Cruz is still, I mean, a lot of the stuff that Trump has done so far probably would have done more insidiously uh, and like with a lot less
0: more, attention more and competent, like, which is why I think yeah, we more maybe, control. we're maybe still right that Ted Cruz would have been more disastrous than Donald Trump, but it, it yeah. remains to be seen. It depends how large the coming fuck ups are. Yeah. And right true. now we're, he, only a couple months in. Yeah, we're only a couple months in and he is doing a lot already to just, bomb the shit out of anywhere any general has ever wanted to bomb. Yeah. So. <clears throat> yeah.
1: Although I did, one thing I take comfort in is that <clears throat> because so many people are paying attention and aware and disgusted by him, I mean, I don't know. If we had another 9-11, I could see something happening. So fingers crossed, uh, business as usual for four years and, yeah, and we're okay. So. Because I think if business as usual persists, then – Uh, there's so much opposition to almost anything he does that Mm. despite the Republicans, like, like the, the white house budget that he put out, um, like that's probably not going to pass the (laughs) Senate, but it's still, it's fucking scary to think about if he had his way, this is what he'd do. But like the Senate
0: is not going to approve that same with the, hopefully with the healthcare bill. And that whole budget is just a giant troll of the left. And I think like that's Mm. a huge part of his appeal is, just anti leftism. Just try to piss off the snowflakes or whatever.
2: It's all the Jackson shit too. Yeah. That yeah. That's purely that's purely to troll us. Right. Yeah. Like it's like, oh, oh, what president can we pick that the fucking flips really, who really hate.
1: Committed genocide and <laughs> <laughs> oh Who's God. the bad one? Who's the bad one? Let's <laughs> Yeah, Uh, who's, like, literally perhaps the
0: worst president.
2: Right, exactly. It's That's a massive troll.
0: Yeah, and and they lead off with, like, cutting Meals on Wheels, like, cutting the National Endowment for the Arts completely, cutting the Corporation for Public Broadcasting completely, right? Just cutting all of these high-profile programs that cost almost nothing compared to, like, the massive expenditures and military spending that they're putting forth and you know there's no reason to do that unless you want to troll or because these things are considered liberal art is fucking liberal (laughs) (laughs) it's so dumb oh we're living in like the dumbest period of time in american history but maybe that's not true i mean I, well, I think it just because the government
1: is dumb doesn't mean it's the dumbest time. I mean, a lot of it, I think, I think you're seeing a lot of institutions show their age, and that includes the media as well. Because I feel like if we had like a more robust media, they, well, we probably wouldn't have had Donald Trump to begin with, but, um, I still think the media could like really go after the, them more, but they, They they still hold on to the norms because the norms of what have historically given them power. Mm -hmm. So, like, it seems really dystopian, but, like, we know it's all bullshit. I just wish some reporter would stand up and, like, call them out on their bullshit. And instead they try and do, like, a stately fact check. And you can't do a stately fact check to, like, Sean Spicer because he's, like, you know, like a neurotic sweaty ball of right-wing talking Mm -hmm. points. Like, it doesn't – fact-checking him – is of no benefit because anyone interested in the reality already knows it.
0: Right. And I, I think that's part of it. And it's not just the aging institutions, but it's, it's like, this is the last time that they can get one of these guys by. And I, I think Trump is unique in that the, you know, he's ubiquitous in our culture. And I think the first time I remember actually paying any close attention to him besides like hearing references to him, um, was his his beef with Rosie O'Donnell, and so my yeah. image of him was always of like some some ridiculous, over the top, attention grabbing like nincompoop. Whereas if I watch these old like mainstream media interviews with him, like the Connie Chung interview or Barbara Walters or whatever, like back from the eighties and early nineties, that's probably the image that a lot of older Americans have of him, where he seems like pretty calm and composed and like seems to be on top of the situation even though he's he's urbane he's always been like an intention grabbing dude like he yeah he seems a little bit more calm and composed and like a figure you could you know a figure that doesn't make your mind explode imagining in the oval office um but Uh, younger people they know him from the fucking apprentice and like from sparring with pendulet and meatloaf and it just seems absurd to see him rise to the, to the levels he has. So that's why I'd like that you see this massive age gap in his support and people our age and younger are just baffled by how anybody could possibly, well, you know, of course there are some younger supporters of his, but we've talked about <clears throat> the reasons behind that or the possible reasons behind that. But it's, it's mostly like a phenomenon of, you know, people at least older than us, people in their forties, fifties, sixties.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think it, it must be said too that, I I mean, whatever I I'm biased, of course, but I blame a lot of this on Hillary. I know I always come back (laughs) to the Democrats and the people, because I think, I think Donald Trump and the Republicans are evil, but like, and terrible, but like, a a more functioning system wouldn't have allowed them to get where they are. And I think because Hillary was so like uniquely, um, not she didn't embody the zeitgeist like the way Bernie Sanders did. It wasn't like a natural fair primary, you know, like she cleared the field and then like did everything she could to fight off Bernie. Um, who knows who would have run if, if Hillary, let's say Hillary died 10 years ago, right? Like what would the primary have been like? Not necessarily saying Bernie would have won, but maybe somebody more populous would have tapped into that. And I don't think they would have beat, I think they would have beaten Trump. So I think Trump like snuck in, you know, and like you said, this might be their last chance because the, the demographics don't bode well for them. Um, I mean, they could fuck up a lot on the way out. But the baby boomers are like a decreasing portion of the electorate. Apparently, they peaked in the 80s. I read recently as a portion of the electorate. So,
0: yeah, and and, and Trump is. It's, it's easy to imagine somebody running on his, uh, you know, similar tactics as him, but it's difficult to imagine somebody pulling it off the same way and. He's a unique figure because, like I say, he he's he's been ubiquitous in American culture since the '80s, um, and a lot, you know, his whole shtick is that he's a businessman who doesn't care about feelings and only cares about winning and only cares about getting what's his, and you know that's really ingrained in some people's mind about about who he is, and he also has a knack for taking things that most people are ashamed of, like we talked about, I think, in our very first podcast, just taking things that most politicians would be really ashamed of and would, like, not talk to the press and issue a statement, you know, spinning it in some way. And he just comes out and makes it look like a blast, like, so fun. And say, yeah, we're going to torture them and waterboard them even if it doesn't work. And nobody cares about my tax returns. And just blustering through it in an entertaining way that... Is a really unique. I don't know if it's a skill or like a a malady, but um, it's it's a unique feature of his personality, and I think it's it's really helpful to him in politics. He just can wink at like these these things that should be shocking to people, and they just laugh it off.
2: It's like being there if Chauncey the Gardener
1: was pure evil. <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah, like he was
1: just a an asshole who didn't respect anybody, but just as yeah. dumb, <laughs> but just pure selfishness and skin. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The, it's funny that, that Donald Trump just he's he's he embodies everything that's bad about America. Like he is, he's all he the worst
0: a, traits of America. Yeah.
1: Yeah, he's all American. He's, he is like just straight, and he's like what other people think of us. And we can't, we can't like pretend like George Bush, like, well, you know, even though he was born in New England and went to elite prep schools, for some reason he identifies with Texas. So we can call him like a redneck and be like, no, that's not us. We're like the urbane ones or whatever. Like he's New York. He's all New York. He's everything that's wrong with New York and Hollywood. Like the whole package. He's just you, he's the void
0: staring back at you. <laughs> Yeah. So, in in one way, like he is the perfect representative of a part of America, or a, a very important piece of what made America what it is, and uh, and that's basically, well, it's Trumpism. I mean, I don't need to find adjectives for it. You can just look at what he does. But you know, rather than talk about these general things, there's tons of specific things that we yeah, yeah. need to address. So. The, yesterday they came out with the, or the Hawaii judge struck down the second Muslim ban, or I guess they don't want us to call it that. So the travel restrictions or whatever the hell. Fuck that. It's a Muslim ban. (laughs) It's clearly a reverse engineered Muslim ban.
2: Yeah. And the Hawaiian uh, judge agreed
0: with you, right? Right. Right. Yeah. You know. Of course, I'm not a lawyer, but I read part of the the reason why he disagreed, and he's just saying, you know, you have your top aides and people who had a serious hand in crafting this legislation. You have Rudy Giuliani saying, you know, he told me make find a way to make a Muslim ban legal, and that's what I did. And you have him bragging about that on Fox News, which is a massive cell phone. And then you have uh, after that, after the first one basically was neutered, um, you have Stephen Miller coming out and saying, we're going to put out a new one that's going to be functionally the same. We're going to address yeah. the things that they that they didn't like. But the things that they didn't like was that it was clearly developed with discriminatory intent with no true national security purpose. So by saying that, you basically doom the second one as well. And it's possible this exactly. may, you know, get through, you know, after, after the appeals process goes through or whatever, but... You know, it's,
2: it's, it goes to the ninth.
0: Doesn't it go to the ninth Circuit Court? I think so. I haven't followed it that closely yet, but there's definitely going to be another challenge to it, and um,
2: there's another one too. Is, aren't there two active right now? There's. Yeah, you're right.
1: I forget where the other I one. Forget was. forget Yeah, me too. Hold on. The I Maryland one. It was a narrower. Oh, okay. Seat. It was also a federal judge, but
0: in maryland okay. i don't know what circuit that is i happened to go on breitbart yeah, yesterday and uh oh every my God. now and then i just go there you to, okay? uh, to troll myself <laughs> and uh all of the it's funny it's just like a parody of what you would think like a foaming at the mouth conservative website would be like they have this headline that's all caps
2: i think that every time i go there by the way <laughs> I'm like I'm like this is someone's joke. This is my joke about what conservative headlines look like. But it's not.
0: <laughs> Let me just read you their their very measured uh headline about about this story. It says Hawaii Obama judge rules Muslim imam has special constitutional rights to bring anyone from terror countries into America. <laughs> terror and then at the bottom it says the ruling prevented the President of the United States from enforcing his own executive order to protect the nation from migrants from terror-riddled countries. It's like none of these countries, or citizens from none of these countries have committed any acts of terror in the United States in history.
1: <laughs> right. So, and all the ones who have are not on the ban. Not that we should have a ban of them, but like
0: right, right. by the ban's stated criteria, it's right. completely incorrect. Right. Most notably Saudi Arabia. And, the, you yeah. know, they're saying terror-riddled, and, yes, a lot of these countries do have serious problems with terrorism, but so does Saudi, so does Iraq, right? Iraq was removed from this newest version, and the justification right. was a lot of the people coming in, we know that they're loyal to the United States because they risked their lives. Collaborating to with our military. Right. Sometimes in yeah. high-profile ways, which will get them killed if they ever, you know— you know, and their families killed. And that's that's the whole fucking reason we have these refugees. Like the and the refugee thing is worldwide. It's not just these countries, right? The refugee program will be shut down for, I think it's 180 days or something, for no fucking yeah. reason. They haven't identified any problems with the current screening process. It's not extreme. Well, dating. no,
2: and that's the other thing, too, is so the difference between the two travel bans, one of the – changes made was that green card holders and people with active visas were were oh you can come back in but so then where's the justification for amending that process in any way right like if it worked fine for those people between these two travel bands like like if now oh that's okay then where's the justification for the process being being so broken and you know yeah, it's like not. in in their own argument is is like a counter argument, and it drives me crazy to listen to. Right,
0: and that's the thing. It's like not justified by any reasonable, you know, view of national security or any reasonable critique of the current scre- screening processes. It's just reverse engineered from a clearly un- unconstitutional campaign pledge. <laughs> that's all it is, and they just will keep pushing it until they finally say oh we we passed it and like the right wing supporters could say it's a muslim ban even though it will be watered down to the point of being absolutely meaningless but it will still you know probably end the lives of at least a few hundred innocent people who are stuck in their country now despite the yeah. incredible hardship it's some, something that i i think about
1: from time to time when they do stuff like this is if it's if they're stupid or like, okay, how do I phrase this? Like, there's a difference between, like, political power and, like, effective power, right? So, like, the political power is their constituency doesn't like these people, so they come up with a policy that appeases them. But it doesn't, of course, it doesn't, Um, like, uh, create, like, the ends they want it to. But, like do they care or do they not, or do they think it will? That's something I wonder about a lot. Like, do they actually think that this will, this is going to make, yeah, that it'll make us safer and they're just stupid slash wrong. Or are they more concerned with how it looks or is it like a So that it builds political power with their base or is it both or neither? Like, I don't really know what to think sometimes about that stuff. Yeah.
0: That's the big mystery I think. And, um, uh... You know, Bannon's given some clues like you know, they they talk about Camp of the Saints, right? Have have you heard about this book that Bannon keeps plugging? It's a it's a French no, book. No, I I
1: know he talked now I refuse to hear about this book.
0: Well <laughs> <laughs> Suffice it to say that it's it's shockingly racist and it's about mass massive amounts of immigrants. In the book it's it's uh immigrants from um India. And you know, them just coming in and swarming European nations and turning them brown and bringing them back to savagery. Right. It's just every racist trope in one book. And, of course, it was it was uh, promoted by William Buckley, and Bannon's mentioned <laughs> it, like, five times in the last few months. And, you know, I think he's even mentioned it in relation to this Muslim ban, although I'm not sure about that. So it... <laughs> I mean, I, I wonder if that's, like, a little breadcrumb to the base who actually believes this stuff, or if we really are in a situation where we have an all-out white supremacist, you know, who really believes this stuff, really believes that preserving white culture is, like, his number one mandate. And, you know, keeping out the foreigners is... Well, really that's, what I, one that's what I
2: think is, like, the re- the really, like like shitty, insidious thing about white supremacy and, and its like current iteration is that it's like it's like such a joke to some of these people.
0: Yeah. Like
2: to to the point that it like 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 it means nothing to that. Some of the things that that are like just openly said now and like that it just doesn't, they're they unaffected, like, no, there's no guilt, there's no shame, because, like, they literally, like, don't, there's no comprehension of, like, how bad the ideas that they, they fucking fling around casually are. Like, right. there's no, there's no tangible, like, like, reference to the consequences of this thinking. Mm-hmm. Like, like we're talking about relatively privileged fucking white people. Like, even if they're working class poor white people in America, right. we're talking relatively privileged people. They all have the internet and cable news. Like,
0: well, like, like they, yeah. this week, it's a perfect. They're far example. away from actual war, you know. Like, right? There's no, right? And, there's and, no and reason to justify the ex- the extremity of the positions they're taking on on racism. And Steve King this week came out with that tra- tweet that talks about uh, here Wilders from the Netherlands, that absolute racist. And he says he understands that culture and demographics are our destiny. We can't restore our civilization with somebody else's babies. And to that I say, you're a fucking Nazi. You share yeah, Nazi yeah. ideology on race. I mean, the, the well, you know, people who he, blow my mind are the people who are, you know, saying the PC left on college campuses is a bigger fucking problem than Nazi fucking congressmen in the middle of Iowa who say shit like culture and demographics and other people's babies, other people's
2: babies. our destiny.
0: Yeah. That's on, that's just straight up old school fucking racist shit.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and I think it's also important to point out too, I mean, not to exonerate like poor white people who voted for Donald Trump, because, you know, fuck them. But I do think that when you get into all this, like, uh, trying to, like, massage the race of the country for the future and, like, your destiny and what demographics are going to be well after you're dead, like, you're dead, those are concerns of people who have time and money on their hands, right? Like, someone who's, like, doing backbreaking labor, trying to make ends meet, even if they're a complete racist shithead, I don't think they give a shit what the demographics of this country are gonna be in fifty years, but you do have the like upper middle class and upper class people who are like the core constituency of the Republican Party uh like obsessing over that sort of thing. And, right. Like those um,
2: those with power, the power structures seem to care an awful lot.
1: Because
2: <laughs> right. Look right, at how yeah, effective exactly.
0: of a tool it is, right? It's easy to get those people who aren't, you know, don't have the luxury of focusing on it as much. It's an easy, easy scapegoat, and it's, there's nothing novel about it, right? That's what's so scary about it is you see this pattern repeated so many times, and you see it get out of control so quickly, and you see the human cost it takes and the, histor- the many historical atrocities that have been justified by a language like this. And it just it's really fucking weird to see it happening and see it barely even make a ripple on the political conversation just because there's so much other shit going on. And, you know, like, I don't even know how to fucking react to it. I don't know how to react to it.
1: Well, I I think I know, and I think it's what Bernie Sanders did in West Virginia, because I think you're seeing this bifurcation of racism, (laughs) where, like, (laughs) poor racist people have always been racist. I think, my belief is, in part, because... Uh, they feel like they're competing for resources with racial minorities and they want them for themselves. And I mean, some of them
0: are just, yeah, like you all know, And they're being told that. Yeah. They're being told that. Yeah, and
1: yeah, some of them believe it, um, like maybe intuitively, but also because there's centuries of propaganda about it, like how, you know, um, racism was institutionalized in the South and in the rest of the country because they didn't want white people feeling. Uh, solidarity and sympathy with slaves or else they'd have a big problem on their hands because they'd both team up and take down the rich people. Right. So the racism of like scarcity of fighting over resources and the racism of like demographic destiny, I think are like a class inflected two different types of class inflected racism. And I think if you say to people like, listen, you're racist, that sucks. But I'm also willing to be intersectional and say, like, you're also poor and part of your racism is inflamed by your poorness. And I think, like, like with the like coal miners who voted for Trump, who said they supported Medicare for all, like, that's 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 where you start your attack. You're like, listen, the rich people are the bad ones. Like, even if you feel this animus towards racial minorities, which is bad and you shouldn't, the reason you do is because rich people
0: trick you into it so you don't all team up and take them down. Right, and you have to that needs that case needs to be made delicately, and uh, so far we haven't d- sure. done a good job. I mean, Obama did a pretty good job of of that to to the extent that he meant it. But um, yeah, he tried. Yeah. He at least tried. Hillary didn't even try. No, that's true. That's true, and that's <laughs> that's something I, I'm sure she thinks about every day. Um, at least I hope she does. But. Um, that's a good segue actually to uh, this healthcare debacle, <laughs> which is just worse, a bigger clusterfuck than I could have imagined. And uh, I guess my assessment of Obamacare as well, I, my assessment has changed somewhat because, and I don't think they intended this at the time they passed it, there's no way they could have foreseen what would have happened after Obama loses to Donald or Hillary Clinton loses to Donald Trump in 2016. But it seems to have really stymied the Republicans. And it seems to be leading, like the head of Newsmax came out and said, we should just have Medicaid cover base coverage for everybody. <laughs> the head of fucking Newsmax, this crazy conservative website is coming out in support of like a national government funded one pair single-payer system it's not as generous as like medicaid or medicare for all but you know the fact that they're even saying scrap this complicated private insurance shenanigans and just have the government pay for people's health insurance and so so go ahead
2: oh no i i honestly think they they never believed that it would be possible to veer away from socialized medicine in some form or another. Like, I don't, I don't think they ever, like, I thought, I think deep in their hearts, they believed it's like, oh, inevitable, you know? So it's this thing that we can constantly hate and criticize and attack because it will always be there to hate and criticize and attack. Mm. Like, like that's, (laughs) that's the only way they draw power from, from the concept of healthcare. Like once yeah. they actually yeah. take it into their hands and have responsibility of it, like they don't know what they're fucking doing.
0: That's because, so apparent yeah, now.
2: Yeah, right. And 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 it's impossible for the because any idea they come up with that's any better is <sighs> ensures more people more affordably and therefore like leans away from the current system. Like, right.
1: yeah, I saw somebody on Twitter make the case that. Obamacare was, I mean, it was the Heritage Foundation's uh, health care plan. It's already so far to the right. You can't you can't make a health care plan that's further to the right and still have it do anything other than just, like, deny people exactly. health insurance. So, yeah, um, I mean, because it, it's funny, too, because it, like –
2: it catered to so many of their criticisms to begin with that, like, mm-hmm. exactly. Like, what, what, what do you take out of it there? It, it right. was already <laughs> been stripped of all the things you hated because it was bipartisan when it passed.
0: Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I listened to, uh, to, you know, Ezra Klein and Matt Iglesias talk about this, and, you know, on this issue no 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 but on this issue i think even you would you would enjoy listening to them because ezra klein explains like the thing that pisses me off about him and probably you is he and he confronts it in this latest discussion he says i'm the kind of guy who wants to be able to talk to both sides and give them the benefit of the doubt and say you know you're not doing it for just to help rich people and you're not doing it just to please your donors and blah 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 he's like on this you know, healthcare act, I can't do that. (laughs) Right. It's just so glaringly obvious that it's just a massive distribution of wealth from lower income to higher income. And there's no justification with healthcare. This is, you know, it's, it's generous to even call this a healthcare bill. It's a massive tax cut funded by, you know, massive cuts to poor people's subsidies and to Medicaid. And that's all Mm -hmm. it is. And you know you're right, like there's no way to move this in a conservative direction. like they already moved it as much as they could to get Joe Lieberman to stay on and to hopefully get one of the Republicans to to vote for it, which you know they they didn't in the end. so there's no way to move it to the right, and you know and just the promises that Donald Trump you know gave before and after the campaign. Even after the campaign, he was saying everybody's going to get better coverage, lower costs. And here you have the CBO saying 24 million people, right, like the population of <laughs> Australia, will lose insurance.
2: Oh, and have you read about that? The the sweet spot between uh, like 61 and 65, I think. Yeah. Where 750 where there's like percent increase. Yeah, it's like a horrible coverage gap that just just yeah. And under the current system, I think like their annual, I don't know, is uh, like uh, $2,500, $4,000 or something like that. And it jumps to like like fourteen or $15,000. Like mm-hmm. that's like half of an income.
1: Right. <clears throat> yeah. Especially when you're like in your uh, older years and you're trying to save up as much for retirement. You know, oh, God, yeah. and then that makes you you know retire later and then like what's the point of being
0: alive if you're just going to work till you're dead yeah that's the thing and that's one of the differences the asymmetries between the left and the right i think because they attacked obamacare on such obviously dubious terms for so long but there was no like honest right really calling them on their bullshit uh-huh. Right, Whereas, you know, the left <laughs> will call people on the Russia thing, even sometimes when I think the stories are of legitimate concern. Right, You have this really loud, really prominent and well-respected, honest left, you know, telling the, the partisans and the people just cheering for Team Democrat to shut up about it and you know, to focus on the actual issues. On the right, you have them hitting Obamacare from every possible angle. Right, because the pre- the premiums are too high, or the deductibles, and you know all of these things that they know their plans would make much worse. They just hit it from every possible angle, and so, and you, you promise you know everybody's going to get care. Trump says the government's going to pay for it. That's just not connected to any possible Republican plan that could ever get widespread Republican support. And then they release this plan that doesn't do any of the things that they promised it would. It doesn't address any of the concerns with people who actually use Obamacare. Uh, It doesn't address any of their concerns. And you're having now rhetoric meet reality. And just the difference is not small. The difference is a massive chasm that somebody who barely follows politics can see clearly. So they had nobody calling them on their bullshit for years. And now I'm not sure how they get out of this trap they've set for themselves. It worked lot for me, but like the consequences now that they have the levers of power, I don't know what the fuck they're going to do. Like it's going to be so obvious if they pass something like the HCA and you know, just give a massive tax cut to people making $200,000 or more and people making millions of dollars are going to get like 200000 or more, $250,000 or something like that in tax cuts annually. It's just a fucking massive theft. And I don't think it'll pass, but if it did, it would be a disgrace.
1: Yeah. um, This is another example of an instance where I think, like, a weak Democratic Party or an uninsistent Democratic Party, um, like, enables it because, like, there are credible – problems with Obamacare. And the framing of it is that the Democrats want to do this and the Republicans are the opposition, at at least at the time, like when Obama was president. And um, if you had any concerns with Obamacare, you could whip people up into a frenzy. Unfortunately, the Republicans are the de facto opposition. So um, they spent all this time being like, Oh, Obamacare's so bad and people, their constituents, even, you know, self-identified Republicans be like, yes, it is so bad. We hate it. We hate it for all these reasons. And they're like, yeah, yeah, sure. Those reasons, definitely. And now that they finally have to do something about it. Their constituents, who they whipped into a frenzy, are like, "Wait a minute, no, our problems weren't that like, you know, rich <laughs> people weren't getting enough money. The problem was that it sucked, and I paid too much for this health care I didn't want or need, or like the stuff I did need I couldn't afford. And what I really want is Medicare for all. I don't think every like registered Republican wants Medicare for all, but I think way more than." any Republican or most Democrats would suspect do. I mean, it's massively popular, like if you ask people. Mm -hmm. Um, But the Republicans were basically being like, you know, as if they had this principled opposition to Obamacare that matched their constituents, and it didn't at all. And now that like political fervor that swept them to power is like built on, you know,
0: unsolid ground. Right, and that's what's changing my, my assessment of the bill in retrospect, is that I used to think that the argument that it was kind of like a stepping stone to Medicare for All or some sort of single-payer program, like I thought that was just a talking point to placate the left yeah. and support Obamacare. But now it seems much more plausible, and I don't know if that was by design. It may have been just a talking point, but, man, that bell cannot be unwrung without massive devastation, right? If they pass one of these bills, like the repeal bills that they passed like 40 times when they were, you know, when they just had the House, if they pass one of those bills now, it would be political suicide for the Republican Party, and they know it, which is why they haven't passed one. So I mean,
2: even if if all Obamacare was 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 an increase in the number of people insured, like who could afford insurance during that time, like that... Was enough that it's it's not touchable anymore. Like I don't, I I was one of them that I couldn't afford the Cobra insurance,
0: mm.
2: so I was uninsured for like a year. But it's me like me too, me too. And people like me, it's like yeah, you can't you can't now take that away because that matters. Like right. oh, I can go to the doctor
0: when I'm sick. That actually matters. Yeah, it was also scary when I was uninsured because yeah, God knows yeah. what happens. <clears throat> Um, I, 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 I do agree
1: that, um, that it, my assessment has changed as well. I think I, I used to be like, you know, they could have pushed harder for the public option and I think they could have, Mm -hmm. but like the dialogue at the time was very different than it is now. Um, and like the mediums and platforms of expression, like the internet and how fully fledged, like left activism is on it now, Mm -hmm. but I do think that the problem with Obamacare and why it's um, subject to repeal or like attacks the way it is now is that it was only framed as like a stepping stone like ephemerally and like in the abstract, but they didn't have like concrete plans the Democrats right. to like get to the next step. I, I'm not saying, I don't know what that would look like, like, Oh, a secret envelope where it's like, and then we do this in 2010 or whatever. But like, I think it was more like in the spirit of like, yes, we move the conversation forward, which is extremely valuable. It just wasn't, um, it, it, it was a little too abstract. Yeah,
0: so it didn't, um, most of them had no real plans or desire really to move to single payer. But now that the Republicans are trying to dismantle it, and if, if the Democrats ever get anything like the control they had in two thousand, early 2009, they will, mm-hmm. I think they will just say, you know, all of the bad things about Obamacare. Like, the Republicans are going to hit us, even if we try to take their advice and try to come up with a program that doesn't spend any money and, you know, involves private insurance companies. They're still going to hit us. Like, we, we learned that from Obamacare. So it's much, just, much easier to pass a nice... Short clean bill that expands the age of Medicare down to zero.
1: (laughs) Yeah, there you go. Perfect. I think it's possible. Provides funding for that. I'm not, yeah, I'm not saying it's likely to happen, but if I squint, I can see the Dems taking back the House in 2018 on like with like a lot of new vociferous comers who are like Medicare for all. And then 2020, we get a Democrat in the White House and take back the Senate. I could see it happening, whether – I'm not saying it will happen, but, like, it's plausible, you know? But then again, like, shit is so stupid right now. Who knows? Who knows what the Democrats (laughs) will do to fuck it up? Who knows what crazy shit the Republicans will do? But it's – I can squint and I can see
0: it. There still is, like, a lot of – like, a Fox News poll came out yesterday that showed that (laughs) a lot of people are still very enthusiastic and optimistic about the economy, which – I don't know. I I guess because of my distrust. I guess I think that goes back to, like I said, his public image as like a really, you know, no-nonsense business guy, which does not (laughs) seem based in the real world to me at all, Um, based on my different introduction to Donald Trump, right? I only really knew who he was after he had already collapsed and became a reality show star. But, you know... The other things that they're doing and the things that, you know, we should talk about about this budget, not just that they're cutting, like they're trolling the left by cutting all of these um, high-profile programs, but it's just, it prioritizes the military, it it cuts environmental programs to Mm -hmm. a terrifying degree. And you you just had them come out and and repeal the uh, fuel efficiency standards that the Obama administration had passed. Like, yeah. they're just doubling down on every everything that fucks the climate. They want more. And
2: of- those fuel efficiency standards were one of, like, two positive things that came out of the bailout when we right. bailed out the auto industry. That was negotiated at the same time. Hmm. And it's like, yeah, we saved a bunch of jobs, and we were able to negotiate crazy fuel emission standards changes that... Right. People have been talking about for 25 years and like we're non starters. Right. Like those were the two good things and now one of them's gone. So it's like, oh, we just got those jobs at least.
0: Right. And the, <laughs> the environmental stuff is, it's like a perfect example why markets and market efficiency should not be treated as a normative good. Like a market in a, a, a series of corporations competing will get every last little bit. Of toothpaste out of that tube right it'll be so efficient but when it comes to the environment that's the exact fucking opposite of what you want right you don't want efficiency you don't want utilizing every last little tidbit because that's that's what leads to environmental disaster right it, you know markets are very efficient and very good at doing certain things but this is one thing where it's the opposite of what you actually want and so just repealing all, all of these regulations And passing dumb, comically dumb rules, like every new regulation you have to repeal too, just so you can let the markets work on the environment is, it's just one of these major tragedies of the cult of, you know, markets. The idea that market efficiency is always the right way to go. It's especially dangerous when it comes to issues like healthcare and the environment. Education. Education.
1: I think also not giving, not giving, um, conservatives like a cudgel to like frame it as the economy versus the environment, which I think has been very effective. Mm -hmm. Um, like basically like have a massive jobs program. And if you're going to, while you simultaneously go energy efficient, don't like Hillary Clinton was like, we're going to put a lot of coal out of, out of business. Like that's probably one of the most fucked up things you could ever say to like a West Virginian. Um, even if the spirit is on some level, like good, it's like a, just a fucked up thing to say, especially when you don't have any politics that are going to mitigate the ill effects of it.
0: Mm. Yeah. Obama right, said something similar to that.
2: But... Yeah. You can only ever like, that's the first half of the sentence. <laughs> You need to say the (laughs) part, but here's how we're gonna refrain you for the jobs of the future. Like
1: Yeah. Not to come back to it again, I mean because is there a sing- I can't think of a single politician that's anywhere on the same level as him. But it's something Bernie Sanders used to say con- constantly in the primary. He'd be like, you know, we yep. have to depend and our dependence on fossil fuels, but we're going to have a massive jobs program because we can't leave behind the people that depend on that. Like it's so basic, it's so mm-hmm. simple, it's so straightforward. Like that's that's what the left and Democrats need is they need simplicity of messaging. It doesn't like for all the good Obamacare did, it was so complicated. And even when you were a beneficiary of it, it was a pain. In the ass, and you and wouldn't it's like know you're know, you government... a
0: beneficiary of it, like in Kentucky.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And you wouldn't know that. Let's say you save like four grand a year, and you have no idea. Like, government did that. That's like the government working in, in your favor. Um, but you know, the Republicans have been very successful at portraying, and the Democrats, to some extent, over the past like forty or fifty years, that like <clears throat> sort of conflate business and government, and they're not wrong, but like it obscures the conversation of the government, you know, working in favor of the collective good, whether that's like the environment or individual people's lives. Mm. Mm. What else happened this stupid week? Lots of stuff. <laughs> Shit.
2: Army Corps of Engineers is another one. Uh, cut big time in the proposed
0: budget. Yeah, and they've already been completely reversed on on the like the Yeah,
2: yeah. they're they're only in charge of like roads, bridges, shipping channels. Mm-hmm. No big deal.
0: Oh, that's it. <laughs> yeah. Uh. Yeah, if, if anything like the the budget that the White House put through, if anything like that passes, it's just going to be such an unnecessary own goal, right? Such an unnecessary self-inflicted wound on the like they they have 28% cuts for the State Department, 31% cuts for the EPA, right? Just completely ripping them apart. And that's just well, some of what it does. Go ahead. I think
1: I think it's interesting to consider as well. Uh, something this reminded me of was you know how like the progressive congressional caucus would do like their budget for the year, and it would be like it would be like Keith Ellison and Bernie Sanders and a couple other people. I don't know if they still do it, but they used to like um, you know do do like a. a a model budget and they'd be like, okay, this is how we would pay for single payer. We would do this. We would do that. And it was always like kind of a joke. At least it was treated that way in the media because like it had no chance of ever passing. Hmm. And I mean, hopefully this is the same way because this this is like the fantasy bill, like, or like you guys said earlier, like it's like the troll bill. Hmm. Um, But I don't know. I mean, again, Bush got away with with a lot because of nine 11. So that's the, Right now, I think we're okay.
0: But if something fucked up happens, then we'll see. Yeah, you're right. The ray of hope for you know from this last week or two is that a lot of Republicans are coming out strong against this debacle of a healthcare bill, and Trump has shown very little willingness or capacity to lobby people to at least not speak out against it, if not you know come out in support for it. So you see almost nobody high profile. Other than Paul Ryan and a few other, like Mitch McConnell said he would pass it. You see almost nobody come out for it. And I guess their plan was to like quickly get it through before the CBO score came out, which <laughs> they failed. <laughs> they failed at doing. But, um, like at this point, I don't know whether it would be more helpful to the Republican party to fail on this or to actually push it through in something like its current form. I think it would probably be more devastating to push it through, even though a high-profile fail on this very first initiative. The very first legislative push of the Trump administration is a debacle and looks like it's destined for failure, which is, you know, encouraging. I don't know, though. I I do think
1: that, like, success um – or at least like achieving your goals can uh, give like a positive spin to things. Um, and when they constantly trip all over their dicks and like fall on their face and eat shit, I think it's good too, because it's like they have a constituency that supports all this bullshit um, and they can at least empower those people um, by actually achieving things they set out to do. But if they fail, they also piss off that constituency, and that gives them even less popular support. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm not. I don't know if that's the case, but that's that's the counterfactual I would I would put forward because
0: I don't know one way or another. Mm. And Ted Cruz came out and said, you know, if we fail to repeal and replace Obamacare, we're going to be massive laughing stocks, and I think that's true because of, you know, the. The rhetoric that they use to attack it, if they actually leave it in place, even though they're controlling both the House and the Senate and the presidency, like, how can you take them seriously on anything ever again? And not that you should anyways, but that's, you know, that's something that even, you know, somebody who has no interest in politics can understand. It's like they promised to repeal this bill 9,000 times and they didn't and they, you know, they can't explain that. Right. There's no easy explanation for that. Um, the only I, the explanation that I think is is the truth is that they just lied about the nature of their opposition for years. and you know they lied about what their replacement strategy would be. So they're in a tough position and uh, I, I'm glad to see them in a tough position. And I'm glad to see like our first episode i I, I assume by this point. They'd have been just throwing bills through the House and the Senate to the president's desk. And they haven't been able to do that, which is so yeah. far at least, which is a huge relief. But I hope I hope That's that something continues I was t- until
1: 2018. Uh, like that? if Trump been elected president, that was one of the things I was most afraid of, too. I was like, he has both houses, uh, like whatever the Republicans want can happen but i think there's there's two things i think i've learned from the trump presidency since it in its short time and who knows if these will bear out but these are these are things i've been thinking about a lot one is um that like Actually executing things in a bureaucracy requires support from the entire bureaucracy, which seems like intuitive, but you know, um, and that bureaucracy by bureaucracy, I mean like the whole federal government. So like you see him being like, well, here's a, here's an executive order, do this. And the courts being like, no, um, not only because popular uprising against it, um, brought it to people's attention, but because, uh, it goes against the laws that currently exist. Mm. Um, so so that's one, is that if you want to actually execute something, you can't be a bunch of, like, paranoid, pissed-off racists <laughs> because, like, not everyone in government is a paranoid, pissed-off racist. Um,
0: and the Thank second God. thing is that, like... At least not yet.
1: That, yeah, exactly. The other thing is that, <clears throat> like, I do think popular support matters. I think increasing... I think it always has, but it's hard to measure, and it's an extension of the bureaucracy thing. I think it does more than ever now because more people are informed about like town halls and things like that. Um, but like if if only 27% of the country voted for you and everybody hates a lot of the stuff you're doing or they're just indifferent to it, like it doesn't – it's harder to get things done. And uh, – Again, I don't think that's easy to measure, but I do think it's stymied them a little bit because like when your constituents are yelling at you, even if you're a far right Republican, um, you know that like something's in the air and you are eventually going to have to run for re-election. and all the Coke money in the world, it might not be enough to stave off like a surprise, like, uh, you know, uprising. The Tea Party already did it. Who knows if it comes from the other direction?
0: Right, exactly. And that's why there's that theory that Rand Paul is so adamant against this plan because it allows him to, one, preserve Obamacare, which, you know, Kentucky is one of those states because it has a, had a Democratic governor. It's one of those states that's very red but benefits from Obamacare a lot, right? It's citizens' benefits. Yeah. So he gets to preserve his conservative bona fides. At the same time, he gets to preserve Obamacare benefits for his state. And I think that's probably a smart small part of what why he's doing what he's doing, but I think it also makes him feel pretty safe in doing it. And, uh, you know, the Senate, you have Tom Cotton coming out hard against this bill. You have Rand Paul coming out hard against it. It can't pass the Senate in anything like its current form. I'm not sure whether, whether they'll find some sort of compromise. I mean, never underestimate the Republican ability to fall in line. Look at Ted Cruz falling in line behind Donald, Donald Trump. Um, and even him, you know, he's been critical of this bill, but he said, I think we'll get to yes. So never underestimate that. They may push something through, even if it's like a pretty inconsequential bill. But, you know, the one thing they'll preserve, if they preserve anything, is, is the tax cuts because that's what they care about even though their voters don't give a fuck about cutting taxes for the rich. In fact, if you explain that the Republican Party, for most of these people, if you explain like in detail the level of theft that they they want to push through right now, there's no way any of them will support it. It's like, how do we get that message through? Like It seems to be so obvious. And uh, they want to push it through so that you have less opportunity and that you can look at them and I don't know, bow your head lower and look up to them more because they're wealthy and you're not like that's apparently what they, what they think will happen. And I hope that's not what will happen, but it's, it's class warfare of of the most obvious sort. And, you know, 95% of the country is on defense
1: yeah they always say uh, you know oh there's no class consciousness in the United States uh, but there's class consciousness at the top and they yeah. are very effective <laughs> class warriors
0: up there yeah yeah and, and we there's not enough class consciousness by design I mean they don't every time you know you, oh, yeah. just, you make an argument like a Bernie Sanders yeah. type argument against millionaires and billionaires they hit you with class warfare and blah 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 but this bill, it's nothing but class warfare. And, you know, part of what Trump says is that we have to push this through so that we can do tax cuts afterwards. It's like, what the fuck? That tax ca- Like, the one thing about this um, this revelation this week from Rachel Maddow about Trump's tax cuts is, like, if his tax plan from the campaign passed, he wouldn't be paying 25% or whatever it was. He'd be paying 3%. So... It's just fucking robbery, pure and simple. And it's just, yeah, yeah, r- yeah, rich people should get every benefit of the most powerful country on earth. They should get the CIA to help them in their foreign business deals and the military and things like that. They should get every benefit that the government has to offer, but they should also get to keep their money to do with it as they please, to invest in foreign countries and things like that. It's the opposite of like the Steve Bannon. Mythical vision of of populism. So, I don't know how long they can continue to sell it while taking the actions that they're taking.
2: Yeah, I don't know though because it seems like it seems like they're pretty good at it. Like,
0: (laughs) yeah, the Republican Party is It's it's
2: baffling, Mm -hmm. but like I've I'm kind of getting to the point where like it's like I'm I'm amazed but I'm no longer surprised
0: right but the, the one the one thing about that is let me find this poll so this is a, a Fox News poll it it surveyed people about the favorability of you know various political figures and political organizations right the number one most popular guess who it is say it with me Bernie oh. Sanders Right. Oh, right. <laughs> yeah, they've go. been talking
1: about Bernie Sanders a lot. I think. I think you know. While we're heaping like ill-conceived praise on the Republicans, not ill-conceived. What am I trying to say? I mean, they're on them. Oh, I, I see. No, what you're no about. Yeah, credit that okay. they're effective. Yeah. yeah, credit. That's it. That's yeah. it. Right. Um They, they at CPAC the um, conservative. Uh, what is it? for conservative political committee yeah they like talked about Bernie Sanders a lot and how to fight young people liking socialism and that British guy on Fox News won't shut up about Bernie Sanders and always talks about how like the DSA membership has tripled since the inauguration. Oh, yeah, are you talking like, about that I think fucker Lazy's Stuart Barney? Like, I fucking hate. Yes, that. Stuart Barney. Yeah, he's he's like been on. He was on Fox and Friends, and then on his own show, he was he was like he was like we need to be careful that the young the young people like socialism. Poor people um, in
0: America today have microwaves. The lazy
1: bastards. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The wacky name. Um, yeah, because microwaves cost like m- more than like sixty bucks. <laughs> Um, but, uh, but yeah, I think, I think they see the threat. They, the, and the Democrats don't see the benefit. Well, I think some of them do. They just, that's just not where they're at. And that's why we need to change it.
0: That's why the Democrats need to be, uh, pushed to the left more. Yeah, I, I admire Bernie Sanders for staying out of kind of these divisive issues and focusing like a laser, like he always does. And I admire this about him. He's focused like a fucking laser on the message. And that's what you say. Like so much of it is a popular message. And, you know, part of it is not that the Democrats are bad at messaging, but that they don't believe in that message. And that's the biggest issue. And also they're pretty bad at messaging sometimes. Um,
1: Well, and I also think a lot of them just don't understand I mean, for so long, Democrats, the successful Democrats, at least like senators and stuff, have been the ones that could like raise money, glad hands, say the right things, and not piss off the right people. Exactly. Even like your your Sheldon Whitehouses or your um, Ed Markeys or uh, to some your Obamas and your Elizabeth Warrens. I mean. None of them have that same laser focus that Bernie Sanders does, which is like, anytime you bring up healthcare, he's like, we should have Medicare for all. It's <laughs> a tr- an atrocity that we don't, right? And like, that should be the f- standard phrase. And my hope is that 2018 and to- 2020, we get more of those people in. That's I don't know if we will, but I think, I mean, there's a lot of energy brewing on the left and a lot of people are pissed off. If, if, if the litmus test is whenever someone brings up healthcare, you say Medicare for all, then that's to step in the right direction because that's the sort of things the Republicans would do when you bring up abortion. They'd be like, it's murder, right? you know, like stuff. And now like you that.
0: Yeah. even have it creeping into the right wing bubble through Newsmax and that sort of thing that this private insurance industry, this massive industry is, you know, they have, they provide maybe a tiny bit of value, but for the, for the most part, they're just a middleman who sucks out a ton of cash in the process of providing people with health health insurance. And you know Medicare is Medicaid, or no Medicare is I think the second most popular government program after Social Security. People are, by and large, happy with it. Um, and of course, you know I don't want to downplay the difficulty of transitioning to a Medicare for all system. It will be tough. Um, there's a lot of things that need to be worked out. So it won't be like a magic, you know, panacea that solves all of the healthcare problems. But Oh, yeah. It'll be much easier than Obamacare. Right, and it'll be harder to, to roll back, like like now. It'll you be know? Awesome. Like, yeah. It'll be like Social yeah. Security. You can try to, like, add private accounts to it or something, but even that will be met with outrage, like it was under Bush. Yeah. But, yeah, like, I guess that's the encouraging thing about this last few weeks of news is that, like I said, I thought they'd be just... You know passing bill after bill after bill and then president trump would be signing it but they're not able to do that they don't have the coalition that i thought they did and more importantly they haven't abolished the, the filibuster as i predicted they would and i still think they probably will but it seems less likely than it used to yeah so and it
2: seems like he's actually so he's been kind of effectively bogged down with the uh, Muslim ban. yeah, yep. yeah like that, not that not that that's a positive, but <laughs> but like
0: it's like the that, absence of a major not, negative
2: right, exactly, and it's kind of like like taking some attention from them, I feel, which is like that's good, you know, yeah. Yeah, like, it's keep, like I keep them focused on that losing battle that will always be won. Hmm.
1: Yeah, I was um, listening to the the Warnerd podcast a while back, and they were talking about ISIS and how part of the reason ISIS would succeed <clears throat> is that it was, like, surrounded by hostile powers, which sounds terrible, but the hostile powers all also kind of hate each other. So anytime it was getting attacked from one direction, it would just go and attack in the other direction, and then, then that would piss those people off and inflame, like, whatever, like, three-way, you know, uh, shit was going on there. Basically, it was keeping all its enemies tied up at once. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I feel like there's a similar thing with the Trump administration, where there's, like, a couple major things that they're expending all their political capital on, and it sucks because they're get, They're, they're going to get some shitty stuff through. But, like, if everything grinds to a halt, they can only get so much done.
0: Right. Right. And I think, you know, that ties into their, their um, foreign policy strategy, such, such as it is. But th- it seemed to be originally, like, <laughs> take on all comers, right? Escalate with every country. I escalate with china over taiwan for no apparent reason with very little forethought apparently escalate with i don't know australia even right escalate with, sure. with with japan to a certain degree like about you know negotiating how much they pay us to keep troops there and that sort of thing but and you you've definitely seen it like they've sent in ground troops i think they've they've ordered ground troops into syria now and they sent in that that um, special operations raid in Yemen. And in one week of drone attacks in Yemen, they surpassed any annual total for the, from the Obama administration. So they are ramping things up. And the structure of, of these things is, is changing. And one thing that I think that I always gave Obama credit for, even though I, I you know still thought that they were using drones way too much, <laughs>
2: Is I that, think those totals are for Yemen specifically though. For Yemen specifically, yes. Yes.
0: Yeah. And that's why okay. I say that he used he relied on drones way too much without any thought as to what a future president would do with that capability, which was really stupid and really irresponsible. But um he did and this is why it was so dangerous to do, because he was doing it in a way that, you know, you could I don't want to give him too much credit or or wiggle room, but he was at least overseeing with his chief of staff every single drone raid on a high, high value target. Whereas Trump has now just completely outsourced it to the generals, right? The military just has a free hand to do whatever it wants, which is a huge change. And he's, he's been using the military as a shield. Right with between Mattis and this new NSA McMaster and Kelly at at DHS, he's using these guys in the national security positions as as a shield. And sometimes all he has to do is say the generals, and people go, "Oh, okay." Mm -hmm. And that's a really dangerous development. I think there's a reason. There's a very important reason why we have civilian control of the military. Had. <laughs> well, now yeah that
2: we've been the rule, you know, for four years, then what's three years, and then before you know it, that's you can go straight from the military to Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah, I, I know I know I've I've made this point before, and I don't feel super strongly about it, but that I'm not it's not just that the military people are in charge, if only because I think civilians could fuck it up just as much. Um oh. I mean, I think it all—it's all about like what you choose to do with it. I mean, are these guys worse than like Paul Wolfowitz? I don't—I don't
0: know. Maybe. No, but Paul Wolfowitz—you mm-hmm. can attack really effectively, right? Or you can—you can, you can <laughs> demonize him. The generals are much harder because there's been so much propaganda about the uh, you know unerring nature of generals. And like I said, Trump just needs to go. Oh, the generals have been looking at this, and people are willing to trust them. I think those are still
1: norms, though. I think the same people who would who would support those generals like would be in favor of the bullshit stuff Trump would want to do, or the or that the generals would tell Trump to do, anyways. You know, maybe I I don't know. I, I, I see what you're saying that they are an effective like propaganda tool, but I think there's like I do think there's like severe war weariness in the american people especially as like the rich get richer
0: look at that yeah but that's
1: that's red that's red meat for like the conservatives you know like i don't think broadly people are like a little in love with her i think the media like focused on it because it was like an effective image that was easy to like sell yeah yeah
2: that's like that's like hey i have a black friend (laughs)
0: the, the thing about the thing about that that made me think of kind of the perverse incentives of of political leaders is that if you save the lives of 500 soldiers by not going into a war you can't bring out their wives and say my husband is still alive and get you know a standing ovation even though it's the same exact thing but if one of them gets killed because of some risky or stupid military operation that you prepare or that you approve of, then you do get that political credit almost. And it's a really perverse incentive that we give to politicians. You never yeah, have, a, you never like have
2: a photo op with like the
0: soldiers who survived. Because yeah, you didn't there's go to more political
2: value in the tragedy.
0: Right. And it's the same thing like the Obama administration always complained about you know the the transparency reforms that they did do, for instance, having like a visitor log that's publicly viewable, um, and they said, you know, that only led to negative news stories for eight years, right? So every future administration will have a disincentive to do any transparency because there's only negative stories about them now.
1: This is this is this talking about the, the media stories and the propaganda makes me think of something that I think Trump has actually done somewhat effectively, or at least that in a, in a more sane and rational and just world would not be as effective, is when he talks about how shitty the media is. Um, yeah. The same way that Republicans talked about how shitty Obamacare was. Like There are genuine grievances about all that stuff. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's just that there's no alternative and like the media has to talk about it because it's like red meat for them. I mean, they can't, it's like a gift wrap package where they get to be like, you know, the heroes, but also like, I mean, it's like they're mentioned in, it's like seeing yourself on the news, right? Like when Trump talks about the media, bad or good, it's still referencing the media. And so it's like a, a story that sells
0: itself. Um, but people do hate the media. I mean, the media sucks. Yeah, that's a <laughs> great awful. point. You're right. Like, if, if somebody attacks CNN, there's almost nobody in the country who wants to go out and give like a Aaron Sorkin speech praising CNN, right? About how, yeah, <laughs> how it's you know right a pivotal you know or, or perfectly important piece of our democracy. Right, nobody wants to give that speech, so you can attack it. Yeah, remember when would.
1: they wouldn't shut the fuck up about that plane that disappeared? <laughs> yeah. Like that's my enduring memory of CNN, and this Me is like too. what three or four years ago. Is that fucking plane? Because at my work, they had a TV on mute that had CNN all the time. Me and too. For like two fucking months, every single day. That was a running was joke with my plane.
0: coworker. We're like, did they find the plane yet? We would like yeah. say that instead of "Good morning." <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> and like, it's like. A shell. There's there's no like credible case to be to be made, and you can extend that to other stuff. I mean, like the New York Times drummed up support for the war in Iraq. Um, and I yeah. think part of the reason people can have these conversations is because you can go online and be. In t- it's not even just online journalism, although that's a big part of it. But like what we're doing right now, or like going on Twitter and listening to other people's podcasts. Like you can get information that is more credible, um, because there's no at least if you're rigorous in your selection there's no um there's no reason there's no compelling interest behind it to make money like people understand that media is business now right so that's that's part of the problem too like trump ta- taps into this anti-capitalist streak but he does it really shittily, so he only gets, like, dumb or vain or racist people on board. But if we could get people who tapped into the anti-capitalism from the left, then we'd be in great shape. But so far, that hasn't happened.
0: Yeah. And the hard part about that is, you know, like, Zach, you posted that great, uh, I think it was an academic article about the Coke takeover of American legislatures. Um,
2: yeah, I mean, it's old news, but, you
0: know. Right, right. And we, we've known about this. It was but, extensive. Right. But even, I mean, a lot of the reforms that liberals propose, like a Bernie Sanders type would propose, do, do not lead to extraordinary wealth. So there are, not, there are very few wealthy people who are going to put in the kind of effort that the Kochs do because, you know, it's, it's a self-interested move by the Kochs, right? It's partially ide- ideological, but it's also, you know, they stand to profit enormously from these changes and from electing legislators that will just rubber stamp their agenda. But a liberal agenda, right, rich people do not profit from it. So you really do need a lot of people of modest means putting their money where their mouth is on a massive scale.
2: And That's the thing; is it's like a, it's a difference of us, uh, of scale, when like the promise is being made, mm. like like the Republican promises, like if everything's if everything goes our way, maybe you'll all be as rich as as rich as you could possibly <laughs> imagine. Like mm. you'll be sleeping on cold pillows, and fancy <laughs> ladies are going to feed you grapes. Like whereas the Democratic promise is like. Well, it might get like if everything goes our way, it'll be like it'll be easier
1: for all of us to afford like a little a little more every month. <laughs> yeah, and it'll, it'll be- everybody can afford HBO so they won't be racist anymore. <laughs> right. <laughs> they can listen to John Oliver. Yeah. <laughs> they can they can uh, you know, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's true. Well, and I do think it's it's interesting to to note too that like the actual actually actually like poor people like like debilitate de, de, like poor people poverty line yeah. people, which is a lot of this country just don't vote and they don't engage with the process. Mm-hmm. Um, not like all people. Not like all black people are poor and all poor people are black, but um, there was an article after the election that was talking about why the uh, Hillary's um, share of the black electorate was so low and why the black electorate in general was um, was the turnout was lower than in the past. And the gist of it was that um, that uh black people have two choices when they vote, they can vote for the Democrat or they can not vote at all. And not voting at all is a choice. It's basically saying like, this isn't worth my time or effort or like intellectual energy. And it's easy to shame people for that. But like, you know, at the end of the day, like if you're super poor, like you're focused on other things. But so to take it back to what you were saying, Zach, about the Republicans who are like tricked into thinking maybe someday they'll be rich. It's like, People who are poor enough know they'll never be rich, so they're like, well, fuck you. I don't give a shit. It's the people right. who are, like, tricking themselves into being like, well, I make 40 – we have 40 grand now between me and my my spouse and my three kids, like, well, probably more than that, maybe 60 grand. But they're like, ah, if I could just get over that hump, someday I'll be making, like, 200 grand, and I'll be just like Donald Trump. And it's like, that's even crazier. At least poor people don't delude themselves.
0: Right, Exactly. yeah i mean i i just don't understand the it would be great to have a trump supporter on somebody who still supports trump at this juncture and
2: that would and, not be
0: great <laughs> it would be interesting <laughs> okay i'll give you that but um you did I did quotes when you said "great." I do get where it comes from, but I just don't get how it can be sustained if they pass bills like this healthcare thing, because the the impulses behind Trump's support are mostly driven by like you know there's there's the cultural grievance thing in the in the baiting liberals that they love, but there's also this economic these economic promises. That, you know, a healthcare thing. Like, like I say, it's so visible. If you lose healthcare, or if your healthcare, if you're 63 and your healthcare premiums skyrocket by like 700 percent or more, you can't help but notice that. Um, you can't help but notice that. Oh, I have to cancel healthcare, and next time you go to the doctor, you can't see the doctor, or you're hounded by. Bill collectors for years and years and years and years for the rest of your life you spend your golden years You know trying to avoid bill collectors who are calling you every day like that's they want to plunge millions and millions of people into a system of like a a situation of desperation that I wouldn't wish on my worst enemy and They want to do it just to give people who are making millions of dollars a couple extra hundred thousand a year it's just unfucking conscionable and I don't think they can get away with it. And I think that's why it might not pass, at least in its current form is because there's no polishing this turd. It's a debacle and it's an assault upon people that don't make much money.
2: Well, I'm like how often children have to go to a doctor. It's like unreal. Mm -hmm. Like if you had like two or three kids and you, you couldn't, get insurance, like you would be in debt for like four or five lifetimes just from like a few years of going to the doctor, like, Mm -hmm. like a normal
0: family physician, you know, Mm -hmm. it's absurd. Yeah. And the the best arguments they can come out against the CBO with are, are like, you know, they misjudged Obamacare's coverage rates. There's a lot of reasons for that, but they misjudged their rates by like three or 4 million. Okay, so it's 19 or 20 million rather than 24.
2: That's, right, that's still that's a lot like, of
0: million. Yeah, that's like 15 <laughs> New Hampshire's, right? That's yeah. crazy. Of people who have health insurance now who will lose it, and many of them will die. They're playing with fucking They wanted to rush this through. They passed it at 4.30 a.m., right, with no markup they just, they originally were trying to just hustle it through, blitz it through, and get it to the president's desk. They're playing with people's fucking lives, millions of people's lives, like they're fucking toys. And it's unconscionable. I can't fucking believe that, you know, human greed would be impossible to believe if it weren't in, in such constant evidence before our eyes. The depth. <laughs> that of that reminds me. Sorry, I didn't mean to stomp on no, epic take.
1: No, no, wow, that's kind of what most of this is. Um, <laughs> uh, that that made me something I was thinking about today was um, the whole the whole conservative, but I think also internalized by a lot of liberals idea like, oh, the market is good, greed is good, like pursuing self interest is is the best, you know, produces the best outcomes. And, and that's, you know, what sort of the neoliberal project in large part has been. And it just made me think like, it's crazy how effectively that was sold because it's such bullshit. Like there's no evidence to it. It's just something that the rich people said to be like, yeah, if everybody just, you know, tries to make as much money, the market will uh inevitably, you know, lead to good outcomes. It's like, how did people get talked into that? And the thing is, I don't think they got talked into that. I think they, that's just like the post hoc justification made yeah. for things like cutting healthcare. It's like, well, the marketplace will figure it out. And it's like, but really, you just want to do the thing. And right. this no, is just everybody your window just dressing. Is,
2: no, they're just sold on the possibility of being one of the ones who achieves a, another level of, of personal wealth. Mm. Like,
1: yeah. And that and is it's about yeah, like once I'm
2: reached I don't want to be burdened, right? And whether it goes your way or not, you can you can say the other thing as your as your justification, you know. Mm.
0: And and yeah. and the the other component to that is the more you know the shittier someone's job is, or the less they make, like the more powerful that incentive becomes. And you're right, especially as you mentioned, Alex, for those people who are not at the poverty line, but maybe 300% of the poverty line, which is like $35,000 or something like that, right? It's less than forty grand, I think. The poverty line is really fucking scraping by. But anyways, for those people who are making maybe 300%, those are the ones who, you know, are in that pickle where, you know, they can see that, you know, $100,000 salary or that new business that will, you know, get me into six figures or something like that. And that's a really powerful incentive to you know to buy into that myth and you know at that point there's a lot of people below you and there's a lot of you know good reasons given to you by powerful people to look down on them as lazy and the you know they're basically the reason that's hold for holding you back I mean there's a there's a logic to it that it's understandable how it operates, but it's based on these completely false notions of how societies work, and uh, you know who's actually at the root of these problems.
2: Well, it's also too. I really like like that some of that imagery. Um, it's like, yeah, it's an incentive system that's like just enough to keep you f- taking the bait every time. Yeah, it's, like it's, it's like you're only ever incrementally Im- improving your situation when you buy into the lie, but like, but you're given just enough to believe that the next little like step is possible.
0: Yeah.
2: And it's like really tempting to just keep doing that, you know? Cause it's like, it's easier than being like, well, what if I step back and look at this whole situation here?
0: Mm-hmm.
2: There was, there's then, uh, I'll, lose, there was then a- I'll lose, I'll lose my place. You know?
1: Hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Th- there was an article I read once years ago and I don't know whether it's true but it was interesting food for thought and the premise was um all like self-help books and like advice uh given whether it's like financial or wealth or you know personal achievement it's always it seems to be always given by people who are successful. And so they're like here's what I did to be successful. And the idea is that if you do what they did, you'll be successful. But the the author's thesis was, well, what's probably more effective is to talk to all the people who failed and figure out what they did and then don't do that. But that's not like a way of looking at things that Americans or Westerners or maybe even just people uh, in like our modern dumb world wanna, want to look at. And also, you know, people who are successful have money and power. And so obviously they can um, – they can leverage that to tell their story. But I think it's interesting because people, people are always looking at, at success and wanting to, it's like playing the lottery or like being down at the casino. It's like, well, I'm already in, I'm in for a penny in for a pound, you know? Um, I want the success to me is appealing. Yeah. The, the success is more appealing than the chance that I might fail. Even if you've already failed, you don't want to consider that possibility. Um, so yeah, I don't know. It's like a sickness in the American character. And th- and that's one of the things about the so young people liking socialism and Bernie Sanders gives me some hope. I mean, I don't think we're going to get rid of it in like a couple of years, but I don't know. It's it's uh hopefully we're building
0: up a resistance to it. Mm. Yeah, I mean Yeah, I don't really have anything to add to that. It's just interesting to think about. Agreed. Yep. Did anything else happen this week? Um, not that I can think of. I'm sure a lot of things did that we missed. Um, we have all of the, the bribery stuff. It, it's funny, like the uh, conflict of interest has just become kind of like a low hum that we can take for granted in the background, <laughs> even though some of it's pretty rancid. But, you know, it's like so many of these scandals, like I opened today's podcast by saying so many of these scandals would be major issues for any other president. But there's just so many. He's just flooded the zone that it's impossible to like pick one out. And, you know, it'll get easier if Democrats take the House, which, my God, I would be so happy about. Well,
1: I would be happy as a bulwark against the stuff the Republicans can do, but I would be a lot happier if it was like a fresh class of a lot of Democrats and some returning Democrats who only narrowly beat off primary challenges from the left who are like scared and feel like they have to, you know, because we got that's that's my firm belief is like. The reason the Democrats have lost is because they've only just defended <clears throat> the meager scraps we've had and like the meager protections we've had. Mm. Sometimes those protections have been good, but, um, and substantial, but like they're becoming further and fewer between. Mm. Um, like there needs to be more, like a more robust vision of what the future could be like, like an alternative to either like grinding neoliberalism or like catastrophic racist conservatism right because if those are your two choices no wonder people don't give a shit people switch it off